0: Welcome aboard on Consider Everything. I'm your host, Brig Haynes, and let's go explore today to improve our mental health tomorrow. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast, Consider Everything. I'm your host, Brig Haynes, and today I have the pleasure of having uh, Darren Elkins with me, or Darren Elkins, excuse me, and he is the clinical... Clinical Operations Director for Bloomquist Hale. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, Bloomquist Hale. Everyone calls us that. Bloomquist Hale. That's yeah. what we get all the time. It's all all yeah. good. Yeah.
0: And I also did a little research on you, not creepy or anything. Oh, it's, not okay. like, it's not like an ex-girlfriend stalking <laughs> on a on an, on an ex-boyfriend or anything like that. But I did do a little research on the degrees you have. And I found that you have a degree in marriage and family therapy yeah. from Utah State. Is that correct? That's right. It's a master's degree, right? Master's degree, Utah State. And you, Go also, ahead, you also have two bachelor's degrees. Do you mind expounding on that?
1: Yeah. I was in school finishing up my psychology degree. That was... Uh, that's that's sometimes a degree you get if you don't know what you want to do with your life. But I, I kind of knew I wanted to do something along these lines, and then I had gotten so far into it that I realized, oh my gosh, I got all these credit hours to do. I'm as well doing another major, I, so I did. I did uh child development, human human development is what it's called. But yeah, yeah,
0: that's why that's why yeah. I read. I think it was LinkedIn. You have a your profile on there yeah. to describe what you yeah. what you've accomplished and what you're a part of so far. Yeah. And I also did a little research on Blum, Blum Blumquist
1: Hale Blumquist sorry Hale. I always that's get those right. confused <laughs> <Everyone> <laughs> we have employees that still get it wrong is you yeah. okay
0: <laughs> yeah well Avantgarde too me and trevor the cameraman he he works with me and he said that well I always mess up the name too I just to think it was Avantgarde, like yeah. super american right if you say yeah. Avantgarde, but it's actually avant-garde like french yeah so but I did a little research on Blumquist Hale as well uh-huh. and I read your guys's website about your about page And in your pages, it was really interesting because what I found is you guys try to not only benefit the employee, but by benefiting the employee, you benefit the employer as well. And you guys are basically, you provide service for certain companies to provide free therapy to their employees. Is that correct? That's right.
1: That's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah,
0: so you guys, well, I thought that was really cool too because you were also on a podcast called Managing Stress for First Responders. Mm -hmm. And in that podcast, I saw in the description that you guys also provide therapy for our first responders. Do you guys do that all over the country or is it just here
1: in Utah? That's a good question. So our services started here. Dave Blomquist, Brent Hill started this up about 35 years ago. And it really was a Utah thing. Um, And it's still our strongest... uh, Most of our business is here along the Wasatch Front, actually Utah, because we have a lot in St. George and stuff as well. Um, That's our main area, but we certainly have contracted and done a lot of work with companies outside this area. Our strength, probably why we're so um, more in this area, is one of our strengths is how much we work directly with the companies, not just sending their employees in, but also working directly with the organization. We go out on site if they have a problem and they need us there, they had a crisis or I just need some mediation or something that's going on. We'll work directly with the company as well. So we go out and do that. I enjoy that.
0: That's impressive. I yeah. So I've actually used Blumquist Hale once. When I first moved here to Roy, I was going through some anxiety and depression and trying to figure out who I was, what I want to do with my life. And I remember I was talking with, I think her name was Tammy. I could be wrong on this, but she was one of the therapists. Hmm. And it was really interesting and very impressive for me to see how fast you guys reacted to my uh need for help. Mm. So I called in, I was like, hey, I'm gonna need some help pretty soon. I'm really struggling right now. Is there somebody I could talk to right now? And you guys are like, yes, we have help right now that we can do a Zoom meeting with you. And I really liked talking with her. She was very unbiased. She was really good at listening. And your guys's about page and your mission statement really showed off in in your guys' therapy session that I had with one of your therapists. Really impressive.
1: I really liked that. And, and Tammy's just down the hall. We could say hi to her. Are you serious? <laughs> She's here. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Cause she has like
0: shorter brown hair. Is uh-huh. that correct? Yeah yeah. 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 So she helped me during my rough time. It helped me to kind of have a, a guidance into where I want to go into life. Cause I moved here to Roy, I believe that was six or seven months ago, more like a year now. But when I first moved here on my own, I was really struggling just cause I wasn't really with family. And it, it was a hard it was a hard time for me, so mm. I needed some help. And at that time, I was working for Harmons, and I know you guys provide service. That's how I got a hold of right of Tammy. Yeah, and it was it was just very impressive how well you guys handled yourselves. Yeah. and and provided the best service you could.
1: Well, isn't it great that that's what really attracted me to the model here? Is I love how an organization like Harmons and other companies can say. Um, it's a win-win situation. They can say, we want to help our employees be happy and well and deal with the challenges they have in their life, whether it's work-related or personal. We want to help them. In return, guess what happens for the company?
0: Well, they get better employees because yeah. now they're functioning at a higher level. They're less focused on crises in life yep. or struggles that they're currently dealing with. Yep. If they focus less on that, then the more ability they have to focus on improving that company. It's
1: a win-win. Right. It's a nice way that... the that, that, that uh, everybody wins, and even there's even uh, studies and our own internal research that shows that there's a financial return as well for the company. Yeah, they have they have less uh, turnover. That co- this can be very costly. Their their costs for um, one report studies show that on average a thousand dollars less is spent a year after coming into an REAP than a year prior on medical claims. So they're less costly in just all kinds of ways, but more importantly, as, as you said. They're, they feel good. They're helping people and they're getting people the care they need and happy employees, happy workplace, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. I, yeah. I again just to emphasize, I really liked reading your guys' about page and what you're all about. I think you guys were started, what, 50 years ago, around there? Was it's it not 19-
1: quite 50. It's more like 30, between 35 and 40, depending okay. on who you ask, and you know, how, yeah. how companies can be. But about 37 years ago is when we got oh, started.
0: Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I remember it was 1986. Is that what it was? I, I think. I yeah. not know. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking. Yeah. I thought it was that. Yes, apparently. we do
1: math on the spot. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. <I know laughs> You're about like, am just, a, years. I'm just a therapist, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, Darren, to kind of flip the tables a little bit, instead of talking about Bloomquist's I want to have you introduce yourself and just let sure. the, the listeners know who you are yeah. and what led you to becoming who you are today.
1: Good question. I'll, um, so my <clears throat> professional license is I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. As you said, that's where I got my master's degree at Utah State to do that. Yeah. It's one of the three main ways you can become a therapist. It's, you could do others as well, but most therapists are either licensed marriage and family therapist, licensed clinical social worker, or, li- or a clinical mental health counselor. Um and uh, for me my journey started uh, probably like everybody's just with life you know i i, I grew up in a good family but had challenges like everybody else and and i i kind of started to just kind of start to feel this desire to help people and I think it'd be kind of nice especially where my passion was is helping marriages for some reason i just thought yeah. that'd be a a great thing to do so it was in, you know, while I was going to the University of Utah for my bachelor's degree that I really decided that's what I was going to do. So I committed my path to to doing that and, and get my master's, and and I've been doing this now for like over 20 years.
0: That's really impressive, yeah. and I, I think that it's really cool that you want to help marriages, especially because nowadays marriages are falling apart. Yeah. Because— I don't know if they have enough information, or if it's just the environment that we're currently in, with you know inflation yeah. and the struggles of finances. I know finances, from what I've heard, can be a really, really big strain on marriages. Yeah, definitely. And I'm, it's really cool to hear that you want to help marriages, because if I, I have I've current, like personally, I have a family that has been through a divorce, and it's mm-hmm. it's ugly. Yeah, and it can be hard because if you have one dad that has one opinion and another mom that has another opinion, or yeah. they have some kind of some kind of disagreement. It yeah. can be really hard because you don't really know how to trust, yeah. or yeah. So it's it can be a really hard <clears throat> upbringing for people, and to save that and to make sure that people don't have that to happen to their kids, yeah, is very it, it's personable for me. I really well, appreciate I mean, that. it's
1: the family. It's almost a rare family that's person that can say that we raised in a family that didn't have some significant disruption of some You're kind, right. right? Whether whether they're divorced or not. I came from a divorced family as well. I, I wasn't I was twenty by the time my parents made that decision, but we saw it coming for years. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned financial issues and stuff. I saw how that played into it. So I, I had my own experiences with seeing it and wishing that, you know, there was ways that people could overcome some of these challenges and and just create a better situation for everyone. Yeah, that's
0: one thing that I wish. That's actually why I'm creating this podcast or doing this podcast is to help people realize that there's people like you out there that want to help them out. Yeah. And mental health isn't so unknown. It's it's out there and there are people that care about you and want to make the make your life the best that it can be. Yeah. So to kind of flip the tables again, since we talked about you know your upbringing and what led you to becoming who you want to be and really in, enjoying helping people with improving their marriages, I want to talk more about Bloomquist Hale and your guys' overall opinion on certain mental health topics. Is that sure. all right? Yeah. So the first one that I have is, um, what is Bloomquist Hale's opinion on medication for curing mental illness?
1: Well, I should be careful to say I don't know what Blomquist Hale's real approach is. Um, we we allow for our therapists to have a lot of autonomy. I'm not here to tell every therapist what their opinion necessarily should be on medication management. Certainly there would be things that, um, that We wouldn't want to be saying, like, there's no place for medication. If I heard therapists were doing that, I'd say, yeah, we ought to be more responsible than that. There is certainly a place for medication. On the other hand, we are not prescribers. We are therapists. And so we are not in the position either to be saying, here's the medication you should be taking, and here's how often and stuff. But we certainly do. uh, It's important for us to play a role in helping with the whole picture, right? We're not just... Helping people see what's available to them. Yeah. So I can speak for for myself, and I think a lot of therapists that feel this way that there certainly has a place. I to be honest with you, I used to not. I used to be kind of anti medication, right? I, mm-hmm. I, um, I, I just felt like there's a better way, like just quit doing medication, and right. that was before I was even a therapist, right? I just had that opinion for some reason. I developed this idea, but the more I got into it, the more I saw that it has a place. There's appropriate. Mm-hmm timing and medications for certain things in life right and and done in the right way it can really help and some people uh i i see who don't who resist that the the benefits there's certain especially some diagnoses like for example bipolar disorder there are medications that can really really address that manic phase they're really successful to a point where if you're taking them faithfully you can you can really mask a lot of those symptoms but what's important to know is that none to my knowledge none of the medications that are psychotropic which means for for mental health mm-hmm. are designed to cure they're not curative they're they're called cosmetic which means they address the symptoms of your disorder they don't cure them
0: that's a big thing that i've being on the internet and getting lost in it myself I see a lot of people getting lost in this idea that medication, if you take it, there's nothing else you have to do. If you take that, then that's the magic pill and there's no other, you won't feel anything. But from what I've seen, people that do that, they become very depressed and very disappointed because they realize maybe I missed a step here. There's something missing.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Medication can be, sometimes I'll see somebody who's so depressed that I feel like, gosh, you're so deep in this fog that you can't see your way out. You have no, energy to even try to do the things we're talking about that will help you get out of this fog maybe the medication is a good short term way to boost you and get you out of that a little bit energize you and we get to work yeah. because you're right that one study showed that about 7% of the time people are properly medicated meaning that on their mental health medications so what does that tell you most of the time it's not being done the right way and you're right they just get they get parked on their antidepressant and thinking that's the plan and they just stay on it and they don't address the underlying issues and then those medications stop working as well because our bodies get kind of adapted to them, right? Yeah. Um, and they stop working as well or life those those underlying issues just pile up even more and more. Now I need more medications to mask the symptoms. So certainly it's tons of evidence shows that kind of a combined approach when needed. Like if you can go without medications, it's great, right? Because all the side effects and everything. But at the very at the very least you should have a, a combined approach. If you can take medications Please look for other things to add to that. It doesn't always have to be therapy. I'm here to tell you there's other things. Right. But um, but but take you know, in addition to any medication you might take, you should be looking at what else can help you.
0: And I actually saw a study when I was doing my research for, because how my podcast is set up was you do a research episode, then we do an interview episode like we're doing right now, and then we do more of a fun podcast or a fun episode at the end. But for the research episode, I was doing research on all the questions that I had for you just to kind of familiarize myself and also help the listeners familiarize themselves with some of the questions we're asking here. And I found a study that says that over, I think, 30 or 4 million people that have mental health are misprescribed or they're misdiagnosed with a certain mental illness. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, well, that's kind of similar to the research I told you. It's about 7%. So yours is even kinder than the one I saw, which said that very few are. And there's all kinds of things you can get into why that is. Some of it may have to do with our our medical system and how rushed people feel and are we really digging in and, and doing the work that it takes to find the right level of medication or people just kind of take what they get and work with it. Um, it's really hard to get into a psychiatrist who's the specialist in this field. Most people get it from their primary care doctor, which is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Some primary care doctors educate themselves very well and do a good job of, of prescribing. Others, it's kind of like what's brought into me today by the rep, and this is what I hear works well. And there's a little bit of a you know keep trying stuff until you find what works approach. Again, uh, so I don't want to come across like I'm saying that those things can be wrong and don't take medications, but the success rate is not great, especially when you consider the long term. Like they don't cure anything. And so, for example, uh, the cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the most studied type of therapy from a research standpoint, it was proven that once you discontinue um, the treatment, whether it's the therapy and the medication, people who had the cognitive behavioral therapy had longer-lasting, maybe permanent results, whereas people who got off medications found themselves most often right back where they were.
0: That's really cool that you bring that up because I found an exact re- a piece of research. So Aaron Beck, he was yeah. the creator of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Right. So he did a research, a piece of research, I think it was a published article. If I, I looked on his website for Beck Institute, he created an institute to help create um, well, well-rounded therapists. Mm-hmm. And one of his pieces of research, and I think it was 1977, was that exact idea, is he did a research study where he got people that just were on medication and those that were using cognitive behavioral therapy and he found that the relapse times were or the, the amount of relapse was half for cognitive therapy and double for medication there you go so i i thought that was really interesting that you bring yeah. that up because that was yeah. part of my research that i also found yeah. as i was looking on the internet yeah another question that i have for you is i'm sure you're aware of neuroplasticity and the idea of that mm-hmm. our brains can change and our yeah. neural networks can mm-hmm. change at de- depending on what the environment shows for us is what is presented right so if our brains have that uh, incredible ability to change themselves and to be able to change based on what's happening currently is medication even really necessary because i know you're saying that it can help boost but if that's the case do we really need to give people medication if they need a boost
1: i would say short answer is yeah i think there are times oh, yeah. i i think there are situations at times that it's the responsible good thing to do yeah. some people <clears throat> again i gave you one example which is the severe issue yeah where when what, what do we know about depression and anxiety what's to me what is the most damaging symptom the most harmful symptom is the helplessness oh because gotcha. when you feel helpless and hopeless um you don't want to do it, you're, you're stuck. It's, that's kind of you're waving the white flag, and you just feel like there's no reason to try. I don't feel like I can get better. So, in those situations, having the medications that are there can kind of again um, provide a temporary boost while you're on them to help you to feel a little bit more hopeful, a little oh, less gotcha. weighed down. And again, there are other situations. I'll give you other examples, more severe things like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, some of those disorders. Uh, it's proven that some therapies are very ineffective with something like schizophrenia, that that you can do some things to rewire your brain, but there are some, there's a lack of chemicals and lack of things. So it's it's really hard to say one size fits all, yes or no on medication. Some things tend to meet a lot more medication than, than others. Yeah. Um, but overall, th- the spirit of what you're saying is, do we overdo it? Pro- my opinion would be probably. Mm-hmm. Probably too many people are... Are relying only on medications, or even trying medications before? How many times have you seen people try medications first and then therapy? It's Exhibit like, A. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's try. It. And if you can live without the medication, again, if it's pretty severe, a medication can sometimes provide an immediate outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if you can, let's try some other things first and see how they help you and then and then approach medication.
0: It's really cool that you bring up the idea that you still need medication sometimes to get people out of that step of hopelessness or that mm-hmm. dark pit of hopelessness mm-hmm. because again, if they're that hopeless, they might not even reach out to get help. Right. So Sometimes I like how you brought that up because yeah. in my mind I was thinking, well, is it really needed if our brains have this incredible ability to change their neural networks? If we can place the brain in a certain environment, whether purposeful or not, to help it to adjust and become less depressed. Mm-hmm. But if that's the, if you or if you're so hopeless that you can't do that, then I, I really like how you brought that up and brought that to my attention because they might not even reach out for therapy or even reach
1: out for any help, exactly. and that's probably when suicide rates go up. Ab- absolutely. Yeah, I'd say. The problem we had, the problem isn't that <clears throat> any one thing is the thing to do. It's, it's what's the right fit for you at this time in your situation yeah. and, 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 talking to the right people who can help you figure that out is the key, right? What do I need to do? What, what does this situation call for? It's not, it's not the same for everybody.
0: Right. And this, just to lead this question into more of the, the research idea of this. So I was doing a little research on the DSM five. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys use that, especially as therapists. Yeah. And. I was really confused when I was looking at it. There's so many overlapping symptoms. So when somebody is saying they have a certain right. disorder, yeah, how valid are the symptoms or the <laughs> diagnoses for the DSM-5? Because it changes all the time. It is interesting, isn't it? I just I want to know your opinion on how valid yeah. that actually is.
1: Well, you know, um, it, it is true that you could look at a DS, the, the diagnosis is almost like a horoscope. If you pick up a horoscope, you could say, uh, "Man, that's me." And then you read someone else's horoscope. Now it's me too. Yeah. There's a sort of like self-selection that goes into that. Like, I just fit. Like, it looks like me. Uh, are you ever down? Do you ever feel sad? Yeah, I do. <laughs> that's right? me. That's me. Yeah. I've got depression. One of the key aspects of all the diagnoses that, that's important for someone in my position to be always aware of, and also for the person who might be diagnosed, is there's one symptom that almost is universal throughout. And that is a symptom of how does it affect you? Mm-hmm. Right, so for example, yeah. it's one thing to be sad often. That's the human experience. It's another thing when it's getting in the way of your life. Yeah. That's when you know, in line with, with some other things that have to do with how long you felt that way, and and some other symptoms that are important. But one key aspect that helps you decide is this diagnosable, and 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 why we can get back to why we even diagnose. But like, is it diagnosable? Well, how is it affecting this person? If I'm if I'm so if I'm st- that helplessness and that struggle, the sadness, my sleep disruption, the eating dis- disruption, things that go into depression, uh, diagnosis, if those things are starting to get in the way of my functioning. Like th- my, my relationships are getting worse. I'm not able to get work done as well. I'm, I'm I'm losing interest in the things I normally like to do. I'm giving up on some stuff. It's getting in the way. Yeah, that's when we say, well, that's that's got, let's give that a name then because it's it's disruptive.
0: Yeah, and I really like how you were describing the idea that it doesn't really matter what they have necessarily; it's what is making them feel the way they are. That's right. that's the main problem that we has to be solved. Yeah, who cares what yeah. what disorder they have? We yeah. need to figure out what to do to get them out of the black hole. That, and I'm
1: fortunate to work for again, but with an employee assistance program. We do not have to justify treatment like insurance does by diagnosing, nor do we work with grants where that's the same model, yet that justify treatment yeah. in order to get it paid for by having a diagnosis. So our therapists only diagnose when it helps the client. I have had those conversations. I had a client that I sat down with, and after getting to see her situation, said, you know, this presentation, these things you're, you're, you are dealing with in your life look like something we that's called... Um, bipolar disorder. And there I am expecting her to just like be just just devastated by this because I don't want to have a diagnosis. But instead I got this relief, like, oh, there's a name for this. And Uh what does that mean? Is there are there treatments for this? Yes, there are. So sometimes that's the value of it is sometimes it's helpful to know that there's a kind of a, a name for this this thing you're dealing with that helps you understand it better and kind of realize you're not alone and there's but to your point that's the only way. In other words, I am not. Addiction is a great example. I am not this idea that I am an addict. I am that's my identity, or I am a depressed person, or I am bipolar. I don't like that. Overidentifying with anything in your life is not healthy, mm-hmm. especially if it's a mental health issue. Do I have depression? Yeah. Does it help sometimes to know that's what you're dealing with? Yes. But what's the point of overemphasizing the name of it and just getting to work and dealing with it, right? Right. That's the the approach we take is whether we name it or not, let's get you feeling better.
0: That's a big question. I'm sure a lot of our listeners has is they're trying to find a label for their disorder or what they're experiencing first. Mm -hmm. Instead, like to your point that you were saying is they just need to find help first to figure out what's the problem. Yeah. Who cares what the name is? we first need to figure out what the solution is. And later, like you said, it gives comfort to people to know what they have. But yeah. until we know how to solve your problem, there's no really use in knowing what their disorder is until we've helped them figure out how to deal or even so, uh, solve their problem. Okay, Darren, so this next question is more for just the general population because we all have access to the internet, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to know your opinion on this because every time that I was looking at what diagnosis I have or what I could have, right, going down that DSM-5, black hole. Uh Every time that I do that or look at YouTube videos, I just get more lost and I'd end up in Tatooine when I should be in earth. (laughs) Correct. And it was really frustrating for me. And that actually made my depression worse and made me feel like I was never going to find a solution. So what concrete, um, what concrete advice or places our listeners can go to, what would you offer to them? Where should they go?
1: So if someone's just needing to get help, they're just here, where do I start today? Right. Where do I go? To just take that next step. Yeah. That's a really good question. And and the good news is there's a lot of first steps you could take that are not going to be bad for you. There's no like perfect, I got to get this right or I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be messed up forever, right? It's, it's okay to take th- – the key is to take a step because that's one of the ways you defeat – the, the most common diagnosing, uh, common problems people deal with, let's get away from just talking about diagnosis here, is the depression, anxiety kind of stuff, right? That's the that's the garden variety most people deal with. But even if you p- go beyond that, things like attention deficit disorder and all the other things, what they all seem to have in common is, is they just make you feel down and kind of hopeless. And so one of the ways we can defeat it is to start to kind of defeat the symptom at a time. And, and if you can do something with your day, to make it better than yesterday, you've already kind of, kind of, uh, you know, gotten pretty rebellious against that hopelessness, helplessness thing. You said I can do something; that starts to matter. So the, fr- the most important step you take is the next one, and there, and so what would I do if I if I'm in that situation? Connect. I'd start by connecting, talking to people. Um, almost every one of these problems we have, we deal with, is, has some relationship to how we're connecting with people. So I, I would look to, to people that care about me that I, that I care about and, and see w- what they can offer and what, and what does it mean to just to reach out mm-hmm. and it can be a family member or a therapist, but I would, I would start to connect and, and start to talk about what you're dealing with. Right. That's one of the nice things about 2023 is we're a lot better at that than we used to be. The, the, the shame and the, what would we say? Just the the stigma that kind of goes with mental health is kind of going away. You know, I mean, you got professional athletes and successful people saying, Oh yeah, I go to therapy all the time. It's really good for me. And I'm dealing with my stuff, you know, and that's good. So just removing the shame and just saying, admitting, maybe, maybe, maybe I've got to back up a step before you can talk to anybody else. Talk to yourself first and say, Hey, I'm not, I'm not doing all right. And it's Okay it's all right. You know, like it's okay to admit to myself, I'm not feeling very well. That doesn't make me weak. It doesn't make me broken. It doesn't make me evil. It just means I'm not doing okay right now. And admitting that is a first step to take.
0: I actually saw on YouTube, there's a guy named Andrew Tate. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but mm-hmm. he's all about, you got to ignore your emotions. And even if you're feeling a certain emotion, you're, you don't acknowledge it. You just go do what you're supposed to do, which I agree with him in some points, but he's to the he's so extreme yeah. that he acts like you can't feel anything because that's what a man does he can't acknowledge his own feelings yeah and he he actually expressed that that's why we have school shootings and i i think he takes <laughs> things to the extreme well that's how but, he's getting
1: that's how he's decided to get listeners yeah. is to go kind of extreme with it
0: but on my end i see it a different way like yeah. you were saying where it's okay to acknowledge the fact that you're feeling something yeah does that mean you should act on it no you shouldn't act and do certain things. There's ways to act on it, but not act in ways that could harm others. Right, right. And with that point... When we have people that are doing school shootings, I feel like that's more than just somebody feeling bad. They've been thinking about this for years and they probably didn't reach out for help. And that's why I want to do this podcast is to help people not feel like those are their only solutions or ways out of feeling what they're feeling now. Yeah. And Darren, in your own opinion, as you've been, I don't know how many clients you've worked with. Do you have an estimate of how many you've worked with over the years?
1: How many clients I've worked yeah. with over the you, years? You like oh a man, it doesn't
0: have to be it's just a ballpark. It yeah, have to be exact. I should
1: sit down and do that. I don't know. Uh, honestly and sadly, more recently, I haven't worked as much directly with clients because I spend more of my time supervising others. So, oh, okay, you gotcha. know what I mean. But yeah. gosh, hundreds. hundreds. I don't know. But um, but I, I like what you're saying. You, you, we see a lot of extremist of ideas about this and it's it's simpler than that you know yeah. is there some truth to what i don't I haven't heard him say those things but is there some truth to this idea that we should just pull our bootstraps up a little bit and get back to like is there something about that yes mm-hmm. probably some people need to hear that there's something better to do with your life than to sit back and just live and marinate in your in your situation like yeah. there's something to be said about like it's okay to like kind of just Sally forth anyway, kind of feeling. Yeah, but in balance with this idea that you also need to pay attention. Like, there's, it's both, right? Yeah. It's not one or the other. It's, it's both. Yeah, acknowledge your pain, deal with it, accept it. That self acceptance actually allows us to be more open and honest ourselves about what we're dealing with. And then, yeah, get to work and, and do the things that'll help you feel better.
0: Yeah, in my own opinion, I think that's what makes it true, man. Not somebody that. Puts other people at their expense or treats them badly so they can not have to show their emotions because in my own opinion, watching Andrew Tate, he has good points, but he also treats people really badly. Hmm. He calls them idiots he, I mean, there 's more than just idiots that he says but he <laughs> treats, he, he, treat, he treats people really badly, yeah, and I think he does that because he has this idea that he has to always be a man, and everybody else is in his way, and he has his own goal. But there has to be a balance there. And I think a true man doesn't do that to people, but he also, like you said, pulls up his boots and gets to work. And to to go off on this question, in your own, like since you've worked with hundreds of clients, I know you're already talking about medication, but have you seen that medication or clinic, or uh, what is it called? Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy has worked better in your own opinion, well, as you've been working with clients? Because I'm sure you hear what medication they're taking, you probably have to know. Yeah. Is, yeah. is, there, is there an answer to that?
1: Uh, it, to say, it, you kind of answered a little bit earlier at that study. I, I looked at the studies to tell me, because if I use only my experiences, then I am I know I have a limited bias. Right. I, I'm doing therapy. I'm not a medication exactly. expert. So um, my I think, again, it said earlier that the, the, the combined approach, when if medication is needed at all, it should be combined with some form of other things it doesn't even always be therapy but some things that you're doing to address the challenges in your life for most medications I think that's the approach yeah um but uh in my experience you know whether it's therapy or other things you're doing to address as you said changing your brain's wiring changing the way your habits the ways that you're uh that you're made up you can do that Mm -hmm. and finding ways to do that is is isn't Necessary if you're gonna we don't change if we keep doing the same things, right?
0: Right. There is a study that I found on a group of scientists that got a bunch of people that had really good eyesight and they blindfolded them. So they first sorry, to kind of go from the beginning to the end here. They did an MRI scan where they had them do activities that activated all parts of their brain and they did an MRI scan just to create a control picture that they could see where they're starting from and where they're ending. And then what they did is they had these people put blindfolds on and perform the same activities that activate their senses as well. And what they found is through this study, as time went on, the areas of the brain where, you know, su- our smell, taste, touch and hearing were in the brain where you can visibly see it started to really increase and the area of the brain where eyesight was started to really decrease. Mm-hmm. And I think we could really apply this to our own mental mm-hmm. health is we have mm-hmm. ability to change who we are. Yeah. So there are going to be points in time where if we're so hopeless that we don't even want to reach out, there's there's probably a good point in time we need to get medication yeah. and just start getting ourselves at ground level. But to go on your point, I agree that you need to have both medication at some points in time and also uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. I think
1: what you said there is really important and speaks to a a really broad and deeper issue to me, which is, well, I was saying earlier, I've celebrated that we're getting better at recognizing and and allowing for mental health to be part of the discussion and take away the the stigma and everything. Unfortunately, what can come with that, and I think has come with that sometimes in some ways, is that rather than just having compassion and recognizing mental health, we've almost made it a virtue to have right. a problem. And and I, I don't want to sound insensitive to that because I think it's so great when people can come forward and say, I'm dealing with this issue. But it's a different thing to sort of like say, now that defines me, I have this mental health problem or whatever it is, and that's who I am. That's my issue. I identify, over-identify with it. And... I, I I and to your, what you said a second ago I see it because I'm looking for it all the time that I'm I've covered up and not noticing my strengths anymore. I'm only so focused on my challenges that yeah. I'm not seeing those things. What I think we need to reget connect with that I think Andrew Tate's trying to do but does it in his bold, <laughs> brash way, a
0: very flashy is way. It's to
1: say we're Stronger than we think we are. We 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 are not new species here on this planet. No, we have survived a lot harder things than we've gotten. Let's put it this way: we have survived a lot and somehow managed to live on this planet, and we've done it because we're so resilient. It's amazing what we can what we can accomplish. But we're only as resilient as we believe we are. If right. I believe I can't that I'm that I'm broken, and and I can't overcome this problem then guess what? I'm broken and I can't overcome this problem. I've limited. I put a ceiling on my own growth. And we're studying things like post-traumatic growth and and recognizing that our resilience, uh, our ability to to get through hard things, to overcome hard things, and be better afterwards and actually make us better people is is way better. What Our capacity for that is much higher than we think. And we, we got to unlock it by believing in that.
0: Yeah, and that study really shows that our brains have the capability to rewire themselves. That's why I brought up neuroplasticity is a lot of people think that they're just broken and their brain is missing something. But those studies go to show that your brain has an incredible ability to change. And just to bring up another study, this is a really quick one, but there's something called CI therapy for people that have strokes. And what it is is they focus all the energy and uh, electrical pulses into the damaged part of the brain. Mm. So somebody has an extremity that they lost Uh, boss movement to Mm -hmm. what they do is instead of trying to use the other parts of the brain that are really strong, they focus on the part of the brain where the the area, the damage of the area of the brain that was damaged. And what that does is you're forced to have to start moving and activating those neurons that are still healthy in that damaged part of the brain. And what they found is as they focused more energy on the damaged part, the neurons within that damaged part that were still healthy, they started to gain movement back to their hands. And this really goes to show, like you were saying, that kind of like with Andrew Tate, we have the ability to do incredible things, whether we believe it or not. And if we put those roofs on ourselves, then we're we're stuck. Yeah. And this really goes on to my next question is a lot of us experience trauma, right? I don't think anybody goes through this life without experiencing some kind of trauma. Unfortunately, that's the case, whether you lose a loved one. But what percentage of your clients that you've dealt with or from just... Entire Blomquist hail Out of those, would you say that the more trauma they have or the higher levels they've experienced means that there's going to be harder for them to start recovering? Is that is that is there a correlation between that?
1: That's a good question, and and I see in this field, and this isn't unique to Blomquist Hale. Therapists, there's a uh, I was reading recently, Martin Seligman talks about this. He's uh, if you haven't heard of him he's got a lot of great books and he's he was the president of american psychological association at one time and engineered programs for the military on helping them and he's talked a lot about resilience and positive psychology if you've heard of that but but he was talking about how um uh, some studies show how how we're looking at uh, something like ptsd and whether and and the, the just the discrepancies and, and in some areas way over diagnosing it in other areas under diagnosing it. there's this the, in our field I'm gonna be honest with you there's sort of just a lot of um, it, there's just so much room for a therapist to, to interpret yeah. that they kind of see what they're looking for is this post traumatic stress disorder or not uh, it depends a little bit on what they look for the key to get your, your point is if whether you diagnose it or not the key is to sort of like look at it and say, you're not stuck here. This isn't your life. This isn't your identity. Let's look for the, the opportunity in this. Now, I find it fascinating if you've ever, I'm, I don't uh, know Japanese, but I have it on a good authority that I'm about to tell you is true, that there's two symbols in the Japanese um, word for crisis, Okay.
0: I'm ready. I, gotta, yeah, I got gotta it. Picture this in my you got it. Got pictures there. in your mind,
1: <laughs> uh, and I, I I've vetted this with people who know Japanese. But the fir- there's two symbols that kind of make up the concept of crisis, right? And the first symbol is the symbol for danger, and I think that makes sense, right? Yeah. Crisis, danger, and I think what that means, and if we're going to look at our own crisis, whether it's trauma, is we need to recognize the first. That's first for a reason. Recognize the danger. Recognize. And allow that. In doing so, we allow some healing to happen because there's that self acceptance. So that uh, that it growth doesn't happen in the dark. It's taking it out of the dark and looking at it and normalizing it and re- addressing it. That sometimes allows the healing to happen. That's important, but not enough. Not yeah. enough. Sometimes people get stuck there. They get stuck in the danger and and kind of feeling like a victim or or feeling harmed and feeling stuck in that place. The second symbol. And the symbol for uh, crisis is the symbol for opportunity.
0: Interesting. Yeah, isn't
1: that interesting that the ancient Japanese language really captured, I think, an important concept, which is you start with that recognition and acceptance, and then you see what could come of that. And a lot of studies on post-traumatic stress disorder showed that for people who've been through one trauma, they had a certain amount of growth. People who went through two had more, and to the point where you could see that, the the more trauma that some people have been through, the more indicators of growth you can find. That we can actually become. Look, think about it. Think of the That's people who've cool. been through hard things. A lot of our great leaders, inventors, and stuff like that Had, came at hard times. You know, they yeah. overcame tough things, and they took the opportunity um, to do that. Now, it's really insensitive to only focus on that. Can you imagine if I were to go out and dress with somebody who just been through a really tough time in a crisis. And I said, Oh, what a op- wonderful opportunity for you here. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're like, what <laughs> What are you, you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> you are in a different world, <laughs> sir. You don't belong to talk to me right now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's a little bit of what Andrew Tate's making the yeah. mistake of. Is like, there's no problem here. Just man up and be okay. Yeah, Like that's, that's important, but not enough. You first do the acceptance and that recognize the danger. And then you start to look at it and say, what can, what, what can I take from this to make me stronger? And yeah. what ways can this give me more wisdom? Sometimes it get, comes from that. My, my own personal challenges uh, in my adult life, since I became a therapist, have deepened my empathy for people because it makes me realize, you know, I can feel with them a little bit, not just for them, but with them, what, what it means to hurt, what it means to lose something, lose someone. And that allows me to connect better and it gives me wisdom for my own experiences. And, and so we grow from, if we allow it to happen, yeah we we can grow from our those traumas
0: i, I really i'm glad that you brought that up cuz i'm sure a lot of our listeners everybody's gone through trauma like you said and kind of to the point of my question of if more trauma means a harder time getting out of the hole it doesn't matter the like those japanese symbols means yeah you've been through been through the crap mm-hmm. but it also means you have a lot more opportunity because you've seen stuff that other people haven't seen. Yeah. And you can bring a different perspective to this world. I really, yep. really like that idea that you've really brought up with us. Yep. And just to go off that question a little bit more, do you think personally, from your own experience, more trauma does mean a harder time getting out of a circumstance, or does it really depend on the person?
1: It, I think the latter. I think certainly you'd say the more tough times you've been through, you've got the you feel like you have the cards stacked against you a little bit, and all, and it would it would tend to mean that you've got more to overcome, definitely. But um, if the person taps into the resilience and and works through it, um, they can they can overcome it and just be stronger for it. I would never say the recipe for success in life is find as many times as you can to go through trauma i would never want to sign up for that program to say can i get my arm yeah off? i want to grow a lot let's get me trauma it'll find its way to you don't 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 go looking for it yeah, yeah. but but when it does the, the i think the overall message is we can use it oh well i mean it, this is going to be i'll give you another silly trite little dumb example okay yeah the, maybe you heard the story you heard the story of the little donkey that got stuck in a well
0: no, I haven't. Okay. This is my first All time. Right. I really got to pay attention I'm gonna,
1: here. This is going to ratchet up the cheesiness on this <laughs> Okay. One, but, but donkey gets stuck in a well. Donkey thinks on top of it getting stuck in a well, and now someone's throwing dirt on it. I mean, that's a pretty crappy day, right? Yeah. It's stuck in a little well. People are chucking spoon, or spoonfuls, shovelfuls <laughs> of <laughs> dirt and throwing it on top of the donkey, and it starts to just sit there. And for a while, it's just collecting dirt. What if it happens if the donkey just sits there and lets the dirt collect on it?
0: It's just going to keep feeling worse. Yeah. Probably. And it thinks
1: someone's trying to bury me yeah, alive. This yeah. is how cruel they are. I fell into this well on my own or made a mistake or something, or maybe it was the world that did it to me, but here I am stuck in a well and now people are throwing dirt on me. This world hates me. But then somehow in its own, just has a moment of clarity and says, shake it off and take a step. And what happens if people throw enough dirt on me, and I shake it off and take another step? Eventually, over time, I'm not in the well anymore, am I? Yeah. Someone's helped me. I can look at that as someone's trying to bury me, or life has given me something to work with to help me get me out of this.
0: Wow, that's a cool analogy. And personally I've felt like I've been in the well as well it's it's hard because a lot of times you feel like the victim and when you don't if you just start taking baby steps personally I felt this when you just start taking baby steps and I'm sure you've seen this with your own clients as well the baby steps is what leads to big things where you see big improvement it's not oh if i take this medication then all of a sudden i'll be out of the well right and i won't get dirt thrown on me anymore it's you're always going to have stuff happen to you in life yeah the sad reality is life is that way yeah and i i'm going to start using that for my grandkids when i have grandkids like <laughs> remember the story of the donkey donkey in the well <laughs> <laughs> apply that to your life kids because i won't always be around so uh, this is this section of the interview is gonna be more leading towards what our listeners can do to start improving their mental health like very specifically. So the question that I have here is what practices or changes have you seen personally in your own practice that provide the biggest and most effective changes for somebody's mental health?
1: Ah, that's a good question. So are you asking specifically what things within our field have advancements have been made? Is that what you're thinking? Or, no, or just? it's
0: more of what they have to do on their own. What you've what advice you've offered to the client, uh-huh. What out of everything that you've offered to those clients, what, are, have, what, what offerings have you seen to be the be- most effective? Is it journaling? Is it yeah. um, you know, walking? taking like what, are the, what have been the most effective yeah. beginning baby steps yeah. that you've seen that really take a...
1: Okay, that's a good question. I think this, the starting point, I'm going to give you the starting point and then we'll get into more practical things. The starting point has to be the same thing that makes therapy work. Okay, studies that showed... There's a broad study that looked at a very important question, what makes it work, right? When does counseling actually help people? And they looked at so many dam- so many uh, var- variables. They looked at the, the background of the therapist and their, their level of expertise, and they looked at uh, the client's background, and their all- so many different things. I can get into all the different things they looked at. And the thing that they, number one, found that predicted a positive outcome in therapy was whether the client felt like the therapist cared about them. Okay. Whoa. So that, now you might feel like I'm asking, answering a different question than when you asked. But let me mm-hmm. let me apply that then. If that's the most important thing, now therapy is more than just listening to people and caring about them. You got you got to have some things that you can pull out of your toolbox to help them with and help them take a closer look at their internal processes and their life patterns and their relationships and stuff. Those are all really important. But it has to always start with creating what we call safe-holding environment or a good nurturing environment. If that's true, though, then, of therapy, wouldn't that also be then the first step you take for yourself? So it's got to start with the first step I would take is to say, I accept myself for what I'm dealing with. I'll tell you a quick story about that. I worked with a young man who was having – Panic attacks daily. He's part of the COVID problem. I've had one, yeah, one
0: in a year, and they're awful. The fact mm-hmm. that he's having them all the time. Daily.
1: I mean, before COVID, he wasn't having any, and then all the changes and stuff. It just something happened in his life, and he was having them pretty much daily. And my first assignment to him was to to stop running from it and not trying to chase it away. Stop trying to reject yourself for what you're dealing with. Accept it. So when it starts to come. It's never killed you before. You've gotten through every one of them. Just let it happen. Don't, don't fight it in this self-rejecting kind of way. Yeah. And Well, when he came back to me a couple weeks later, guess how many he'd had? Zero. Zero. Good job. <laughs> it would have been a really good story <laughs> if he had a, another you know, two weeks worth. Yeah. But he didn't have any. And it was simply because he removed that higher level of anxiety. It's one thing. The number one cause of panic attacks is the fear of having a panic attack. really that's been proven
0: so interesting interesting yeah
1: so we have our anxiety and we have our anxiety about our anxiety we have our depression and then when we're depressed someone says count your blessings you should feel better than this now we have depressed about our depression because i should feel better than this i'm i'm beating myself up over how i feel so the number one thing i always want people to first do is accept themselves for what they're dealing with this isn't this doesn't make them broken or a bad person they're, they're just dealing with something, and it's okay. We have maladies of our bodies, and we deal with that. We have maladies of our heart and our brain as well. So we just allow that. So the first step I always want to start with is take those steps to sort of say, I'm not okay being this way forever and dealing with these things. That's sort of like resignation. I'm not yeah. talking about being resigned to your problem. I'm talking about accepting that that's what you're dealing with right now. It has to start there.
0: Yeah, and accepting, and in my own opinion, when – I was learning how to cope with my own mental illness. When I was aware of things more, the more I felt comfortable. It's so like you're saying with the young man that you were, you're working with, the more he was aware of how panic attack works, what causes mm-hmm. it, how your own worry of a panic attack usually causes your panic attack. That was really a very big step for a lot of our listeners, I think, is to realize that there are reasons why you are acting certain ways. You're not in the in the dark. You have a reason for why. You're human. Yeah. And it's okay to have problems. Yeah. It's okay. And to really understand that everybody has anxiety, just the knowledge of that, mm-hmm. really, I think, it's just the knowledge that, other people experience what you do helps people to calm down yeah and that might be the first step like you're saying i also liked how you said it's about the like loving themselves creating a good environment for yourself and loving who you are yeah because if you have a really crappy environment where you treat yourself like garbage at your house and you have not only that maybe your family members don't treat you very well right it can be very hard to get out of that, that dark hole there
1: yeah absolutely yeah
0: and another question that i have is about the world okay this is more of you know the advances in technology. Are there things that society has created that cause people to believe they have a mental <laughs> illness, even though they don't?
1: Huh. one is we created, we made it. I, I kind of said this earlier. That do you do you feel like sometimes in social media or just around that it's sort of like whoever has it the worst is the winner? Yes. There's a chase. There's like a race oh to be gosh. the most like the, the have and. And, and unfortunately it sort of like dampens the voices of real problems. Like when I just sort of like, I'm racing to be the, have it the worst, you know, you think you have a bad, I have it worse than you do. Right. And society in a way, like I kind of said before, um, there's start, there's, there's almost like a virtue. It's like one thing to have compassion for somebody's problem, but to say like, that makes you a better person. Unfortunately, we're, we're enabling and creating this place where people don't you, you have a better you know you have a leg up if you have it worse than somebody else. So, I think it's be careful to find that proper balance to have yeah. com, can have compassion and not shame and create the stigma as we talked about, but also not not encourage people to to be stuck because we tell them makes you a better person.
0: There's the idea going around, I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's called fat shaming or something along those lines where it's okay to be fat. And the idea of being fat's okay. And actually, now that because this has become such a popular idea that being fat has no bad side effects to it or anything, a lot of people are trying to beautify themselves and make it seem as if it's something beautiful. This is my own opinion. I mean, you might Mm -hmm. have a different opinion than me, but like you're saying, it enables people to think that it's okay to be stuck in a situation that most people don't want to be stuck in.
1: Well, what we're doing in that situation is, is to make people feel better. As we should, we don't want people who are overweight, obese, fat, <laughs> to feel <laughs> yeah. to feel like that they're was, bad. That the that's right all right. It's all use, good. No, it's it, we don't want those people to feel like I'm a bad person. I'm a lesser person. I'm. We want to have compassion and be, be nice, right? Right. But at the same time, to then say that's the way to be. Well, I, you know, hey, I'm not a doctor, but I'm pretty clear on. The research that says obesity is not healthy, Yeah, right? It is not healthy for us. It's not healthy for our mental health and not healthy for our physical health. Um, Do we have an epidemic and a problem with it? Yes. Can we understand it's hard not to be in our modern day and age? Absolutely. It's just uh, lifestyles that make it hard not to deal with that problem. However, should we be saying that's the best way to be when it's clearly evidence that that causes a lot more health problems and stuff? So again, that you've, you've tapped right into where can we find a better balance here to, to have compassion and not make people feel like, yeah, let's not fat shame people. But on the other hand, let's also not fat glorify and obesity that's glorify. That's a perfect <laughs> way to put it,
0: fat glorify. Yeah, that's I like that. I don't know if
1: I want to be famous for that one. So. Oh,
0: I, well, my, if this podcast gets big, then I'll make sure I cut that part out. But I really like how you brought up the point that it's good to have a balance between helping somebody out and really being compassionate but also realizing that there are things that are, they are doing currently that is very unhealthy for them. So in, for instance, maybe with mental health, not just with somebody who's overweight, but with mental health, there are certain things that they're doing that isn't healthy and that's okay. Yeah. They're, at, they're at that point. That's who they are yeah. currently. It yeah. doesn't define them, right. but there are things they can be changing. And this actually leads into my next question. Out of the five areas of life, I, I learned this in school. You can tell me if there's a different word for it, but there's Emotional, physical, social, uh, mental, and I believe it's intellectual. Is that the last? I thought spiritual as well. Spiritual, mental, yeah. So out of those areas of life, and since you worked with so many clients, what has worked, and what what things can they change within those five areas to start improving their mental health? Because obviously, you said start loving yourself more, but out of those five areas, how can they start creating a better environment for themselves?
1: That's a good question. I think. There's two approaches to this, right? Two th- lines of thinking. I want to start where you're weakest. So first of all, first thing you got to do is take a stock on each of those issues. I've had people, sometimes it's kind of an assignment, do kind of a self-checkup. And here's a way I've kind of couched that. An, I, I can't take credit for this. I got this from school. Yeah. But it's sort of like imagine you walked into a room and someone walked in to meet you and they didn't know who you were and they needed to identify you and pick you out from the crowd. How would you describe yourself in each of those five areas To help them see who you are. So physically, how would I describe myself? Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, how would I how would I describe myself? So like, first of all, it's like taking a How do I see myself? Sometimes we have different. We don't even know. Like, we don't give much thought. What's my image of myself when it comes to my mental uh, uh, identity? Right, that part of myself. So first of all, take take a hard look at that, and then you start to say. All right, here's where I feel strong. Like My my uh, my mental identity is strong. I feel smart. I feel like if I'm in the room, that's more confident and all those kind of things. But, man, physically, I'm uncoordinated or whatever. And I just don't know if that's my area. One one line of thinking is to sort of find your weak spots and build them. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Another one is to say focus on your strength and how can you turn your strengths into helping you overcome some of your challenges. Go go with what you're good at, right? Yeah. I don't think there's magic in the, either one of those. Is the best way. The key is pick one and see what happens. Yeah. And one of the things that we always ask in therapy is, "What have you tried?" Because I don't. I want to know what they've tried to do and not you know, just keep repeating the same stuff. I'll find out what have you tried to do before. I'm like, well, I did this and that. How'd that go? And did it work? If it worked, let's do more of that. If it didn't work, let's try something else. So it's it's looking for and having the patience to to look for the thing that's going to kind of click and work okay. for you.
0: And to go on that question. So out of those five areas of life, so for, you know, like we said, we're spiritual, emotional, physical, mental. And I don't remember the last one, but you guys get the idea. <laughs> yeah. Out of those ideas, do those really, can those affect your mental health? Absolutely. Do they, do they have the ability to? And well, they so, are how they because it's yeah. who we are,
1: right? Mm-hmm. Our mental health is just uh, a reflection of our sense of, well-being. I I like the term well-being um, because it's really not about happiness. We, happiness is a fleeting emotion. It's nice to be happy. That sells books. But even like I gave you example of Martin Seligman, he said later in his career, all those books that he sold that said happy in the title, I was, that was the publisher. He didn't want to do that. He's like, it's well-being. It's about being well. It's about 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 having a, a, a sense of just being at peace with the world that you're in and feeling competent in it yeah. and feeling satisfied with the relationships you have and a general sense that you're in moving in the right direction. That's what we all want. That's mental health, isn't it? Yeah. And so all of those areas are so critical. They all work together and we almost separate them more than they really are separate. I'll give you an example. We we con- constantly separate the physical health and our mental health and we recognize that that's convenient for us, but they're so connected you know just walking 20 to 25 minutes a day has shown um, a 47% reduction of depression symptoms that's really interesting right i mean that's physical health and mental health working together they're just they're all so connected because they all kind of come back to the same organs that manage those things our brain and our heart right yeah. so they're all kind of couched in the same place where those things are are at least interpreted and dealt with and so they're all connected and, and, and I would say this too one, one more thing is I don't think spiritual gets enough uh, attention because, because people shy away from it because it, it, it can have the connotation of religion mm-hmm. and we think well we're imposing religion and therapy I don't shy away from spirituality because when I define it as the sense of purpose and meaning and what drives you in your life I know that without those things those other things do not have the proper context you know what I mean it's like it, it, when you go through a hard time Why? The the question of why. Well, if if I believe spiritually, like on some level, that hard times can make people better and grow and have more compassion and wisdom. Guess what? I'm going to endure hard times a little bit better. That's my resilience plan. So that's the kind of the spiritual element. It's like, what's the point? And I think that's why I think, in a lot of ways, it's not always the most important because you may have that pretty well established for yourself and struggling in the others, but it's, it's kind of the one that connects all the others, right? It's kind of like the centerpiece. I think the others kind of work around, which is the purpose and the meaning
0: and the why, the why behind all your whole life. Yeah. And to go even deeper, just because I want to I want to pride you or probe you. What is it? Probe, yeah. prod, prod. Not probe. Don't probe, please. I want to prod you <laughs> a little bit more on to go a little bit deeper on this, because I like what you've offered so far, but I just want to get a little more specific on this. Okay. So with those areas, so with, like you're saying, how they all intertwine, with those clients that you've worked with, for e- if you could go through each uh, aspect of life and go through what – baby steps they can start taking in each aspect just Mm -hmm. so they can start making maybe make a list of what they can start doing
1: something practical for each area yeah okay let's start with physical okay physical move more Um, we live in a time where um it's just we've created every way possible to not have to move anymore our bodies our our evolution our creation we're meant to move and so uh finding ways to just be a little more active and start where you are if you if you're someone who's already fairly active, take that next step, move a little bit more. So that's where I'd start physically. Find more movement in your life. It's better for your. It's good for mental health. It's good for your physical health, and they'll work together. Okay. Um, mentally, um, <laughs> we've removed curiosity and not knowing from our vocabulary. Like right now, it used to be if I heard I had a song, that was stuck in my head and I, I would I would have to think about it all day. you're not you're not old enough to remember that this was like you're younger than me yeah. but I used to have to wonder all the time and I had to ask people what are the lyrics to that song cuz I couldn't just look it up on <laughs> google right i had to live with the discomfort of that we live in the times where i can just oh i'll just go google it right, right. so mentally challenge ourselves a little bit go go learn a new thing go go live in the space of just uh, of of continue to grow you talk about neuroplasticity before no matter where you are in your life challenge yourself look for something new that's that's in the the intellectual aspect of that on the mental aspect of our cognition that's where it gets back to cognitive behavioral therapy one of the first things i do is find your worst your worst mental habit and and address it so if i have the habit of 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 shaming myself blaming or black and white thinking Identify one of those things. You can look those up. You mentioned Aaron Beck. He helped coin this whole idea of the thinking errors, the automatic thoughts that we create. Go find the one that's harming, causing the most harm and go yeah. defeat it. Go go, go. look it in the face and find a way to overcome it. Yeah, don't shy away from don't it. Don't shy start, away from it.
0: Start challenging yourself a little yeah. bit. Questioning yeah. your own thoughts.
1: Yep. Yeah. Question your own thoughts. That's the kind of relationship we have with our thoughts. It's like it's like this other re- adult we respect and we can have a debate with. That's our thought relationship. Me and my thoughts have that kind of relationship. The next area, my emotions, that relationship I have is more like me with a, my child. What we know about emotions is they they, they help us store our memories. That's why you when you have on your happy, you're more likely to think of happy thoughts. Do you remember the movie Inside Out? Yes, I love that movie. That. Yeah, it's really funny. They got so much right. One thing they didn't think they get quite right is remember, like when they're in the like the little, uh, the the subconscious area where there's just racks and racks and just huge columns of like all the old memories. Oh yeah, and they pulled out the bu- bubblegum song memory and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. The thing they got wrong, I think, my opinion, is they showed all these colors all intermixed. When in reality, we code our memories kind of together, our emotions. Code them in similar emotional space. Does that make sense? So yeah. you have like your blue column and your and different columns because we're more likely to, to store our memories like
0: different genres, kind of in a yeah, library? yeah, like a genres in yeah. a
1: library exactly. You don't have the, the the mystery right next to a fiction or whatever like <laughs> you yeah. put them in different sections. That's that's how our memories service and they also serve to help us connect as we learned from that movie and they play an important important role. But my relationship with this if I pay attention to it. And address the emotion. We talk about a lot of this when it comes to acceptance, but pay attention to my emotions, they can go away. So it's sort of like a validation experience, like like a child that wants to tell me something. And I just listen to them, okay, that's cool. And then they leave me alone, hopefully, mm-hmm. sometimes. And, sometimes, they're and they're they sometimes they sure don't. Sometimes they just nag for a little I need while. Help. <laughs> yeah. But we, we, we give them the attention they need. So with their emotions, it's that validation and understanding, because it's not their fault. The mm-hmm. thoughts created the emotion. Yeah. We're blaming the wrong thing if we're getting stuck in the emotion blaming the emotion silly when it's created by the way we think
0: yeah so stop doubting yourself stop thinking that you're hopeless yeah and you're not just stop thinking that you are not able to ever get past this because yeah. obviously there's a way out of it especially if you yeah. challenge yourself yeah uh, yeah so and well, then what the other ones what would you say alright so
1: what do we've got left we've so we've
0: got two more we've, <laughs> we've got physical mental emotional, emotional spiritual okay go spiritual. Jungle,
1: spiritual I just I say with spiritual ask yourself what, what it's about for you um, Again, start where you're at. Maybe you have a pretty clear idea about that. Maybe what you need to do is rethink some of the some of the ways that you've thought about that that maybe are harming you. Maybe you have a, a um, higher expectations or standards for yourself than that are reasonable. Maybe uh, maybe recognizing, for example, if you're a person who's really hard on yourself, and yeah, I, I'm very clear about my purpose. My purpose is to be perfect today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and never make a mistake. Well, let's take a look at that, right? So, I think addressing where where that's causing you, where where it inspires, and where is it harming, right? Mm-hmm. If it's inspiring you and helping you grow, hold on to it. If it's just if what it's doing is is harming you, I'm not saying abandon that, but but rethink what what your relationship is with that thing and how yeah. that affects you.
0: Maybe questioning <clears throat> your wise or who yeah. you are. Yeah. And it's okay to to hold on to certain things, yep. but to let go when you when you need to. Right. And I think, like you said, with the religion, sometimes people connect religion with spirituality, and I think the difference between those two is. Religions do change over time, but spirituality just means what makes you who you are and mm-hmm. why you do things yeah. whereas religion they have certain rules yeah. certain ideas
1: Religion can be a wonderful place to gain that to to get access to other people seeking spirituality and to come together and develop that it's a wonderful can be a wonderful forum for mm-hmm. creating spirituality right yeah. but it's not isn't by itself spirituality yeah. yeah spirituality is what you carry within yourself as a result of whatever it is you do that gives you that purpose and meaning.
0: And then for social, what would you say? I, this one's kind of <clears throat> simplistic, I would say, but yeah. just go in a little detail of what they can start doing, especially if they have anxiety yeah. or social anxiety. Okay. what are some things they can start? Well,
1: doing? Well, this I'll give you the advice. I think that applies to the most people. For all these areas, I would say the advice would be based on what is your, what are you dealing with? I, mm-hmm. For some people, it might be less time with people, and some it might be more. But I think I think what most people need to hear right now is what social media is doing to us. I don't want to sound like an anti-social media. I'm all about it. I love it. Yeah. But what we've created is our relationships are now a mile wide and an inch deep.
0: Well, that's a really... Don't you think? Yeah. Yeah,
1: like they, instead of... I got a thousand friends on Facebook, but none of them are really... I haven't connected emotionally. So mm. what I'd say is... Is is connect with people like you and I are doing right now? Yeah. Although might be without an audience to watch you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, <laughs> is is look, seek connections? Uh, the the all the indig- addiction that we're seeing that people are dealing with, one of the best remedies for addiction is connection, true connection, because that's what addiction is. People that turn to substances or pornography, whatever it might be, are often doing it to find a phony face replacement for true connection. So if we can just find. A, deeper connection be willing to be vulnerable be willing to be like just I let people into your life and you get into theirs be and and um, is it, and by the way along the social lines of what I think that everyone could benefit from a lot of says you're showing which sounds a little bit countercultural right now is forget yourself and do something for somebody else
0: yeah that old wisdom yeah.
1: it, by the way some people do too much of that and I get that and they're like there's self defacing and they just, they've neglected themselves. And and some people need to not do more of that. But, but by and large, um, we're often kind of so inwardly focused. There's a great book called, uh, um, outward mindset, I think is what it's called, but it's by the Harbinger Institute designed for business. And it's just all these, these things that show that when you just kind of look at somebody else and their issues and help them, I know it works for me. When I come to work and I'm having a bad day, whatever it might be, just helping and forgetting my problems and helping somebody else makes me feel better. So yeah. if you're struggling, one of the best things to do is look for somebody who needs something and help them out.
0: I really like how you brought up the idea of addiction because, um, like, I've, I'm not going to go into detail on anything, but I struggle with certain aspects of that as well. And I really liked how you said it's coping for, for a missing piece. Yeah. So if, if you're probably looking at pornography or doing that kind of, uh, getting into that kind of addiction is probably because um, you maybe have a fear of talking to women or talking to men whoever it is and it's okay like you have that fear but like you brought up there is, it's coping for something that, that needs to be replaced with something healthy right yeah Yeah. and Darren this, is, that, this has been an awesome interview I've really enjoyed talking with you you have some really good insights and I think our listeners are going to be able to write this down and be able to apply this to their own life and just t- start taking baby steps and to be able to create a comfortable environment for themselves yeah. but also if they want to talk to you or to just Blumquist Hale in general to get a hold of one of their therapists how can they do that
1: well that's a good question and thank you this has been real fun yeah. I've enjoyed this too um, so the way that we're set up is I would tell people find out what's available to you I've, I've sadly seen too many times people didn't know they had an EAP that their company provides this service right and they thought they went out and paid for it or thought they couldn't afford it or something so find out what's available to you and we're not the only way to do it but um, if you're a business owner and you're not taking care of your people through something like this go go provide something like this for them but if if you're if you yourself um, unfortunately people who don't have direct access through their company, don't go through Bromquist Hell. We could okay. help. They could call us. We're happy to help anybody connect them to what that what is available to them. Mm-hmm. But we're our service is limited to the people who have it through that benefit. Or that for the certain company, for that those companies okay. and and. Uh, yeah that's how they would have access to us
0: so maybe to expound on this just so our listeners can take that first step to get to therapy or to just try to find some kind of help where can they start going like i was saying before in one of the questions earlier this is probably about a half an hour ago but it was the question of where can they find concrete advice or, or solidified or backed up advice or where can they go to find a real good source where they're not going to get lost yeah uh, like where can they go online to search for certain therapies because yeah there's a lot of different ideas yeah. out there but what actually yeah.
1: works well i'm not paid by anybody to, to promote a product but mm-hmm. i know that for finding a therapist uh one of the ones that's most used around here is psychology today okay. um it's out there as you can you can shop the therapist that's going to be the best fit for you and and find things like that um i will say we allow um if therapy is your thing that Something like that can be very helpful. I also think it's kind of like finding a good doctor, or a good mechanic, good anything. You kind of have to talk to people, do a lot of networking, be willing to talk to some people and find out who's the best at this. Because a therapist might be a great therapist, but are they good with dealing with your issue? Not every therapist, we're not all built to handle all the issues, right? They, yeah. We have our specialties. So, so find out what, you know, just be willing to kind of do some of your own digging. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy the first car I bought. I, I, I'm sorry, I buy the first car I bought. Yeah. I am sorry buy the first car I drove and looked at. Like, it's okay to t- kind of go look at things and see what's going to be the best for you. Yeah. Um, there's so many – nice. the nice advantage, I talked about the disadvantages of today, I and mean, it sounds like I'm this anti-Internet guy. I'm not. There's some great things around. For example, our uh, YouTube page, Blomquist Hell, if you go to YouTube and put in Blomquist Hell, you don't have to have our benefit mm-hmm. to use this. Uh, we have over hundred. We have 114, I think, right now uh, webinars that are free to, to look at or some things like that. So I there's, could put that in my podcast. Yeah, put it you, on there. After yeah, we're people, done talking all the different topics and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that that some of our therapists have put together to deal with different topics. So there's a lot of great forms out there, um, and uh, there's, there's more of this online therapy is becoming a thing, right? There's all mm-hmm. kinds of ways, so it's getting easier to find good help. People okay. just take those steps.
0: All right. Well, it's been a pleasure. Derek. Yeah. Good. I've loved this. I've enjoyed my OJ. I say we cheers. Me too. Oh, cheers. Amen to here that, brother. <laughs> it's been really fun. So thank you so much for being here. Thank so, you. Happy to. Yeah. Okay.